Merry Christmas. Let me ask an easy question to get started. Any, uh, any kids in here like opening presents? Any adults in here like opening presents? That should be every hand up. If you don't like opening presents, we'll have a conversation afterwards. There's a support group for you. Christmas, we, uh, you get presents, and, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this when it comes to being given a gift. Sometimes I've been given a gift, and while opening that gift, I've begun to question if the giver of the gift actually wants me to get the gift. Like, have you ever gotten one of these gifts? Like, when the, it looks beautiful, right? The bows, the wrapping, and then the beautiful bows get really annoying, right? Because they won't untie. You can't rip them. Scissors are too far away. You're trying to get it around the corner of the box so you can slide it off, and it's just not happening. Maybe you get the bows off, then you get to the wrapping paper. And some people have this gift where they think they should use the entire roll of scotch tape on the wrapping, right? And there's no seam. There's no way to get to it. Finally, you get through one layer of wrapping. Maybe there's a second layer of wrapping paper because we wrapped it like twice. And then this is, these are the people that, that we really need to, need to talk to. There are those who have a gift that they want to give someone. And before they wrap it, they decide it would be a smart thing to do to tape the box closed. Like for the record, why would you do that? Who are you afraid of getting in the box, Right? But you're trying to figure out where the tape is. You finally, you get into the box. You finally, you get the gift. I don't know your experience with wrapping. Don't know what tomorrow will look like. And maybe that's your story tomorrow. But today we celebrate the gift. We give gifts because of the greatest gift that's been given to us at Christmas time, right? We give because God gave to us. And we celebrate the gift of Jesus at Christmas. You see, when we look at Christmas, we will celebrate a gift and tonight, I want to celebrate the gift of the news of Christmas. I want us to look a little closer at a story we're all familiar with, a story we all know, but I'm hopeful that as we dig into this idea of the news of Christmas, what will happen is we will have a greater appreciation for what happened at Christmas and leave with a posture of worship and a great expectation at what God did and what he's going to continue to do. Troy and Janice pointed to Luke 2, and it's interesting, when you get to Luke 2 and you get to the Christmas story, what happens is you read the first seven verses of Luke 2, and it lays out not really anything out of the ordinary. Like there are people, and there are places, and there are rulers, and there are current events, and there are characters that are played in the Christmas story. None of it is miraculous. And all of that ends with verse 7, which says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Luke goes out of his way to make sure as we are about to read, we are about to learn about the most miraculous, life-altering, history-changing event in human history that it's anchored in the everyday, ordinary events of life because Luke wants you and I to know that this is not a fairy tale. This is not something that's made up. It didn't start with a once upon a time or in a galaxy far, far away or an, some fable that's going to have some moral to the story that you can take and become a better person. Luke wants you and I to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christmas happened. These are actual events. This actually happened. You see, this is important because if this story actually happened, you and I are forced to decide how we will respond. We have a choice every Christmas. You see, there's no fanfare, nothing is significant, but heaven couldn't stand by. 
heaven couldn't remain silent. It's as if, as Luke's writing, he writes the first seven verses and he puts down his pen and he pauses and he smiles and he goes, now, now for the good stuff. Now for the miraculous. Now for the supernatural. Now the story is going to become amazing. And what happens is an angel appears, as Troy and Janice read, an angel appears to the shepherd and breaks through for the first time in thousands and hundreds of years, the glory of God is made visible on the earth once again. It had been seen in the Exodus when God led his people out of Egypt. It had been seen in the tabernacle. It had been seen on Mount Sinai. The glory of God has been present in the temple. But for years, there had been no sign of God's glory until now. The angel appears and God's glory shines around him and they are terrified. And I want you not to look at what the angel, how the angel appeared. I want us to look at what the angel said this afternoon. In Luke 2, verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Two words sum up the proclamation that the angel is making. Did you see them? Two words. What are they? You're murmuring. Good news, right? You can sum up the whole rest of it with what? Good news. What is the angel saying? He's saying good news. I've got good news. And he goes on to describe, and oftentimes, I don't know about you, with the pageantry of Christmas and everything that's going on, I read these verses and I skip right past the good news to get to what's actually happening. You skip past the good news to get to the baby that's wrapped in swathing claws and lying in a manger to get to Jesus. But the angel proclaims that he has bringing good news. Proclaiming good news to a lost and dying world. Good news to you and me Today, I want us to look at this idea of news, why it was good, and what it means. As you look back over this last year, inevitably, you've probably had seasons and opportunities and times over this year where you've received good news, or maybe you've received bad news. When you think about those things that come to mind in 2023, the good news or the bad news, there's one constant when it comes to news. News describes something that has happened. News describes something that is done. An event has occurred, something has transpired, and you are hearing of it. You're hearing of what has happened. I want to contrast news with advice. Think about over this past year, did you get any good advice? Did you get any bad advice? Whether advice is good or advice is bad, advice falls on you and it falls on me. If someone gives me good advice, I have to act. I have to respond. The onus is on me, whereas news is on the fact that something else has already happened. There's nothing for me to do. I simply respond to the reality of the news. Tim Keller, author and pastor, writes this in his book, Hidden Christmas. And talking about this, he says, Advice is counsel about what you must do. News is a report about what has already been done. So why, through that lens, does the angel appear and proclaim good news? The angel is proclaiming what has already been done. The angel is not saying the message of Christmas is good advice. 
The message of Christmas is a way in which you can become a better person. You can make a better life. The good news of Christmas is what has been done on your behalf and mine. Think about this scenario. Say you're in a small town and you hear that an invading army is coming. An army that has wiped out town after town after town is coming and coming in your direction. A king sends advisors to your town and says, this is how you need to prepare. This is where you need to place your troops. This is where you need to place the guns. This is the strategy. There's the, there's the embankments you need to build. Here's how you're going to protect your town. And you're feverishly working and preparing, knowing what's coming, afraid of what's coming, anxious of what's coming. A king would send advisors to tell you what you need to do. But what you're longing for is not an advisor. What you're longing for is actually a messenger. And you see, the Greek word for messenger is angel. And so we jump back into the story, the Christmas story. What we find is a messenger comes. And a messenger doesn't come to advise. A messenger comes to announce what has already been done. Because in this scenario, what has already happened, a messenger comes running into your town as you're preparing for battle. And a messenger says, hey, guess what? The king has conquered the enemy. It's over. The war is over. You can stop preparing. You can stop being getting ready to fight. The battle has over. The battle, the war has been won. In the same lens, the angel shows up to these shepherds. He doesn't come to give advice, something that we need to do. He comes to give news, announcing what has already been done. Think about this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He doesn't come saying, I've gotten new intel, new advice, new insight, new ways in which you can work your way to God, new ways in which you can fight the battle that you've already and always been losing. Instead, the angel comes to announce what has already been done. Because you and I did not need an advisor, we needed a savior which is how Jesus is described. He says, what's coming? Why is this so new? Not because you've got an advisor, but because you've got a savior who has been born. Someone has acted on your behalf. So stop preparing for, battle, for a battle that you no longer need to fight. At this news, you see one angel speaking and proclaiming the news and all of a sudden, all of heaven can't contain it and all of heaven breaks through and in verse 10 or verse 13, we find this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I don't know. I like to think about what's going on behind the scenes in some of these stories. Can you imagine the angels? They're like, okay, dude, you got picked to go first. Okay, you go first, but you got to let us know when we're coming out. Like, because we're coming, we're going to come with a bang. I mean, it's going to, you, you, you get your message out there, but we, it's all of us are going to come. And actually, a multitude is actually can be translated army. And I love this. The army, God's army is breaking through, coming in and proclaiming and singing his praises. Why? What is, he, what, is he, what is this army of angels proclaiming? They're not proclaiming war. They're proclaiming the fact the war is over. They're saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. An army is proclaiming the good news of God's peace. These angels have been watching 
have been observing for thousands of years from the beginning of creation and when man rejected God and broke relationship with him and ever since then have been trying to get back to God, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to follow God's laws, trying to do God's direction, trying to follow this, do that, trying knowing. And as they're watching this, they're going, it's impossible. Like there's absolutely no way that God's prized creation, his people can ever get back into relationship with him. There's no, it's futile. There's no way they can win this battle. Until now, until now, when it's not a matter of what you and I are going to do to get to God, it's the reality, the news, the fact that God has now come to us. And the shepherds' response to news is just like you and me. When you and I hear news that we believe is too good to believe, what do we say? It's too good to be true. It's got to be too good to be true. And when it's too good to be true, what do you do? You investigate, you find out, is this in fact true? Which is what the shepherds do in verse 15. And the angels went away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened. News is about an event. It's about something that has happened. Let's see the thing that has happened. If this is in fact good news, then what they said happened will have happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Imagine the shepherds that night. You see an angel, then you see a multitude of angels, and the news that they proclaim, speaking that this long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world, has come. You go check it out, and everything checks out. It's true. This is not good advice. This is good news. And what they find is they find in a manger, just as the angel said, Jesus, the light of the world, has been born. The moment when all history will pivot. The moment in history when everything changes the good news that God has become man. Think about this. The good news of Christmas is that God came to us because he knew that we could never get to him, which is why he brings good news, not good advice. And as a result, the good news leaves us with two responses. Every person gets a choice We can receive it or we can reject it. We can accept it or we can act like it doesn't happen. But here's the reality when it comes to news. Whether you believe it or not doesn't change that it happened. And that is especially true when it comes to Christmas. The fact that news has come, news has been reported that God has come to end the war on sin and suffering. The fact that he has said I have conquered death and I've given life. It doesn't matter if you choose to validate it or not. It is true. So the question is, will you continue preparing and continue fighting for a battle that's over? That would be foolish, right? When I was in middle school, I got to go visit my grandparents who were living in Mississippi at the time. And my granddad was really passionate and loved to do something. He loved to race walk. And he loved to enter race walking races, like a lot of them, like plenty of medals to show for it. And when I was going over there, I said, well, I'll run a 5K, you walk. But then I broke my toe and I couldn't run, so he entered me in the walk. 
Now, I, for the life of me, have never understood why you, would run, why you would walk when you can run. And that experience proved to me how frustrating being told, walk as fast as you can, but don't run. The definition of race walking says that you are in violation and will be, will be um, disqualified if at any point you are seen with both feet off the ground. Which is why when you race walk, you got this little waddle going on, right? I mean, you got to keep one you gotta, fast as you can, but the heel's got to get down before the other one picks up. But let's just say I, it is the first and the last race walk I have ever participated in. But as we are traveling to this race, it was going to take place at this historic battlefield, this national park in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Vicksburg, Mississippi was the location of, a, of an epic Civil War battle. And as we're going, my granddad loved history, and he's filming me in and all this stuff. He goes, this place is amazing. What you're going to walk by, what you're going to see, all these monuments. This epic battle was on the Mississippi. The control of the Mississippi was central to winning or losing the Civil War. And this battle happened. Ulysses S. Grant, the great general, and Robert E. Lee were fighting. And it it went on and on and on. And ultimately, the North won, and it was a turning point for the war. Then he goes, but... Then we realized that after the fact that the war didn't really matter, or the battle didn't really matter because the war was already over. And I, being in middle school, having studied the Civil War, was going, I've got a problem. The battle is, the war is already over. So all of these lives lost didn't matter and shouldn't have been lost if someone would have just told them that the war was over. But Based on my recollection, the war ended by Robert E. Lee surrendering to Ulysses S. Grant. So why would Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant travel from Virginia to Mississippi to continue fighting? My granddad thought about it for a second. He goes, yeah, I might not have my facts right. (laughs) No, the the battle happened well before the end of the war. But in my mind as a middle schooler, And every mind being told, this battle doesn't matter. Why would you fight it? The reality, the good news of Christmas is this. The angel proclaims a savior has come, which means the war has been won. Which means you and I stand at Christmas in front of this manger with the opportunity to receive what has already been done. The message of good news is that, hey, it's not about what you need to do. It's not advice for you to get closer to God. It's a recognition and a receiving of the fact that God has come to you. When you think about good news, the actual language used in the proclamation of the angels is where we get the word gospel. Gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself, when he was living summed up the good news of the gospel in probably one of the most famous verses of all the Bible when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus pointed to the good news the shepherd or the angels pointed to and at the end of his life as Jesus hangs on a cross for you and for me accomplishing what he came to do, his final words from the cross are, it is finished. It's finished. The good news of Christmas is pointing to the good news of the cross that says, guess what? You and I can't get to God. And guess what? God came to us. How grateful are you? And how grateful am I that the angels came not to give good, to say, hey, there's an advisor who's here, but there's a savior who's here. Therefore, you and I get to celebrate at Christmas time the good news of the gospel. 
the good news of what Christ has done on our behalf. So tonight, if you don't know Jesus, I'm guessing you're familiar with the Christmas story. I'm guessing Christmas Eve is marked by tradition and good memories and sweet stories. Tonight, I would ask you to stand and make a choice. Because the choice is news. It's not advice. You can choose to reject it or you can choose to accept it, but you can't change the reality of what is true. Christmas is an invitation for us to recognize that Jesus is, did not come to simply make our lives better. He came to move us from death to life. He came to win the war so that you and I could live and have eternal life. He came to walk with us. He came to be with us. He didn't come to help us work harder to get to him. It's the greatest news this world has ever seen. And so the invitation for you, if you don't know Jesus, is simply to get to a place where you take the gift that's in the nail-scarred hands of our Savior and say, I'll take it. I receive it. I believe it. The good news is true. And if tonight maybe you know Jesus, and maybe you come to this Christmas Eve and maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've drifted away from the simplicity of the fact that Jesus came to proclaim and point to what he has already done. Maybe there's guilt. Maybe there's you looking back over this year where this year wasn't what you wanted and you weren't the person you wanted and you're saying this next year, I'm going to work harder to get back to where I know God wants me to be. Can I just encourage you, before you try to get back to where God wants you to be, would you allow him to meet you right where you are? Would you allow the good news of the gospel not just to be because I went from death to life? Would you allow the good news of the gospel to transform how you step into 2024 as you recognize what he's done on your behalf? And then would you and I celebrate and respond like the shepherds? In verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered, were in awe and wonder, were in amazement at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The response to good news is not to work harder, but to simply celebrate what has been done. And so as we close tonight, we're going to worship, and we're going to celebrate and worship that God, the good news of the gospel that has come at Christmas time, and it is available to all of us every single day. And maybe through celebrating, one of the things you want to do, we got communion set up in each of the corners, would invite you, if you are a follower of Jesus, to go and celebrate what's been done, the good news, the good news of the cross, when Jesus said it is finished by taking the bread and dipping it in the juice, remembering the body that was broken and the blood that was shed, not because you and I need to do something more, but because of what Jesus has already done. And then we're going to light some candles, and we're going to rejoice that the light of the world has come the greatest news this world has ever known let's pray father thank you for this evening thank you for the good news of the angels thank you for the good news of jesus thank you for the fact that you have come and you have accomplished everything that was needing to be done in order for us to have a right relationship with you so God, this evening in this room, I'm guessing there are people who have yet to receive that good news, yet to believe that good news. God, would you work in their heart? Would you allow them to receive, not in complicated bows and packaging, but simply to receive the simple good news of the fact that you 
want to save them. And God, for all of us, would we rejoice in the good news that has come, the good news that you have come to us because you knew we could never get to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.